I want to talk to you about the blessing of the Lord, uh, and I want to go right to the same scriptures that my son-in-law Steve quoted, and that's Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, and um, it underscores the, the power punch of what Jesus actually did for all of humanity since we fell, the first prototype couple, Adam and Eve, forfeited the prize in the beauty of Eden and the uninterrupted flow with fellowship with God and zero sin, zero, uh, you know, dominance of evil. And then along comes temptation and the tempter and they sadly succumbed. And, um, but God in the midst of that promised a redeemer would come and crush the head of the serpent. And that's Jesus. And uh, in the next, uh, next, Week we're going to have a visit from our friends at Sharemeth Reformed um, Jewish Synagogue, Rabbi Jim Bennett, and uh, the uh, their group, the um, graduates of the confirmation class of so the young people, and they they've been coming for thirteen or fourteen years to our church to uh, connect with a our type of Christianity, a non-denominational Christian church that actually understands our Jewish beginnings, you know, and, and honors and loves uh, the Jewish people. Every letter written in this book was written by a Jewish person inspired by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, salvation comes through the Jews. So um, that's why there's the anti-Semitism is the devil's idea because it's, <laughs> these are God's covenant people that he, he's faithful to. And so I want to ask you guys to maybe even come next week to the 930 service and let's just pack it out and uh, let's honor our guests. I'm going to ask uh, that Addison will, or whoever the worship leaders are next week will sing that song about the God of Jacob and the God of Moses. Um, because without, uh, they know, uh, the rabbi knows that I love Jesus, I believe him to be the Messiah, and I want everybody to be saved and that I'm actually uh, an evangelistic proselytizer Christian. But... They also know uh, that I'm not going to cram it down anybody's throat, and they, they, so it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. Uh, so I want to go to that verse up on the screen, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now that means nothing to us um, if we don't understand basically that the curse of the law was spiritual death. It was poverty and it was sickness. You can see that demonstrated in Deuteronomy 28 when he said um, to the Jewish people, you, you need to comply with this law and these blessings will come upon you. And if you ignore it or disobey it, these curses will come upon you. So that chapter is really complete when you read the, the, the blessings and the curse. And it's even good to read the curses given that Jesus became a curse for us. And look what it says here. So it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And then it says, in order that, so that in Christ Jesus, come on, the blessings of Abraham, say that, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Those are the non-Jews. So that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the biggest blessing of these blessings is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of a Redeemer who comes and makes us a brand new creation. 
So without apology, I'm going to tell you, God delights in the prosperity of his people, and the pinnacle of our prosperity is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's more important than money. That's more important than power. That's more important than prestige or any other thing in our human existence that we could ever uh, uh, want to attain to. The best part of our lives is knowing him. And, uh, you know, Paul said, Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain, that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. said, Not that I've already obtained it or I've already been made perfect, but this one thing I do, it says in Philippians chapter 3, forgetting those things which lie behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can I just hear an amen? amen. Third service. This is an important moment for us. We're in February. We're in a new period. We're pressing on. There is actually a goal. We're to be goal-oriented. And what's that goal? It's, it's, it's that upward call in God. It's, it has to do with walking with Jesus. It has to do with being obedient to him, not doing things in the flesh, not just winging out in things and just asking God to bless our plans, but really asking him to bless us with his plans and with the wisdom that goes with it, right? So I want to talk to you about the toil. In, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, and it, the, God is, is talking to Adam and Eve, and he's saying, man, you know, you just kind of blew it. And he, he, said, he, he said to Adam, he said, you know, you ate this fruit, and it, he said, "Cursed." in verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat it of it all the days of your life. Everybody say, in toil. The, it could also be sorrow or oppression or just laborious um, human uh, fatigue-oriented labor. And um, I, I, I just... Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, in talking about this toil, I'm, I'm building a case, and, 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 and I want to talk to you about how in Luke chapter 5, the fishermen toiled all night, it says in the King James, and they didn't catch a thing. And basically what I feel like God is saying to us today is, hey, blessings are coming at you, and if you'll do it God's way, you'll, you'll humble yourself, and you won't do it in the flesh, and you'll, you trust God, uh, you'll see a great outcome. Uh, I want to tell you, these blessings are for a lifetime. And even what I believe about the Jews, I don't, I'm, I don't believe in a replacement theology where God's done with the Jews and now it's the church. There are things he's doing with the nations, with the church, and with the Jews. The Bible says not to offend the nations or the church or the Jews. And so there are distinct uh, people groups, and uh, God has a plan. Uh, he's doing it right now, and uh, it's going to come to pass. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, concerning toil in the New International Version, it's a, it's a, it's a well-known verse. It says, it is the blessing of the Lord which brings wealth without painful toil for it. Without painful toil for it. So um, I want to differentiate between a work ethic and labor. Our, you know, we're to work heartily under the Lord and we are, we are to have a great work ethic. And, um, and, and, and there's joy in, in, in work. And he said our labor is not in vain in the Lord, right? But then on the other hand, 
there's this sunrise, sunset, tedium and droning labor of our own, our own human efforts that God's trying to say, look, my blessing will just come upon you um, as, I mean, it doesn't negate that we shouldn't work any more than when Jesus spoke to Mary and Martha and he said, uh, you know, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mar- Martha had invited Jesus into their house. Mary and Martha listened to Jesus engage and teach the word. And um, Martha got upset and asked Jesus, hey, tell Mary to help me with the cleaning up. And um, so Jesus wasn't saying it's bad to clean up the... So, so some of us, like, when you go to somebody's house, help clean up the kitchen. You know, it's, it's not like... Uh, Jesus is saying, uh, don't get all caught up in that. J- just sit, you know, just, just sit and listen to the word. Uh, I'm, I'm saying this to my original kids uh, during our dinners uh, in, because our, our addition kids, they're really are helping. But anyway, I'm just saying that to my <laughs> kids. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, anyway, um, let's go to Luke chapter 5. And I want to read the first 10 or 11 verses. And it's not a parable. It's, this is actual. This happened uh, at the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. And it says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the Lake of Gennesaret. There's a lot of meat on the bone on this first verse. It's saying that the crowd was pressing into Jesus and they were hungry and listening to his word. And uh, the hunger for God in that atmosphere Uh, is conducive for what is about to happen here. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. So this also shows that Jesus is so observant. He saw the boats, he saw the fishermen, and he saw the empty nets. He he is a noticer. He was paying attention. He's not just talking at people. He's there in the interaction and engagement with them, and he's observant, and he's absorbing what's really going on, and he sees that in your lives. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Peter's, and asked him to put it out a little way from the land, uh, that he, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Now, Unlike a lot of places in Scripture, we don't have the advantage of knowing what the subject was that he was teaching. So I don't know if the next part was an illustration to what he is teaching or not. And maybe it's good that we don't know what he was teaching here because it could be open-ended. But it says here uh, in in verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. I was in a we went on a family vacation earlier this month, and it was by the shoreline, and I saw a gentleman with his young son, and they were sitting in lawn chairs, and they had their fishing poles on the, on the shoreline, and they, they had them cast out there. So I walked over, and, and uh, I, I, I asked what you asked somebody fishing, have you caught anything? And he said, not for two days. And uh, he said, but we're having fun. And the little boy was crawling all over his dad. And, I, and then I made the point that, you know, people say, that's why they call it fishing and not catching, right? Right? But let me just tell you something. Jesus is calling this, what's about to happen, catching. And they had been working, doing their natural human thing all night. And in fact, Peter, Simon Peter was a fisherman, a long line of fishermen. And he had a proficiency. He lived by the water. He was a waterman, and he understood the the even the species of fish. 
You know, you watch some of these outdoor shows or even go to Bass Pro Shop and some, you ask somebody from behind the counter that's a tournament fisherman, they know fishing patterns. They know where the wind blows and pushes the food. They know what color of lure to use during the season. And of course, these guys had that skill. And even with that skill, even with all their human toil, he said, Master, we worked hard and toiled, it says in the King James, we toiled all night long and caught nothing. We toiled all night long and caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. Now, that's a key right there. Because he's not saying, uh, talk to the hand, Jesus the carpenter. I'm Simon the fisherman. Hello, I know what's going on. And there's not, a, there's not an attitude here. In fact, there's, I don't think there's even a break in verse 5. In, in this case, it's not sarcasm or cynicism or like reluctance, like, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. It, it, it's like he's calling him master, which is a statement of honor. They're there gathered to hear the word, including Simon. And Simon is, yeah, sure, use my boat. You know, the crowd got so heavy and so thick that Jesus had to get in a boat and get out on the water a little way so that the crowd couldn't press through to him and be on top of him so he could communicate with him whatever great rich thing he was teaching them. Of course, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And here's Christ speaking his word by this lake. And these fishermen are, have had a hard time in their human situation, but at your word, I'm going to do what you said, and I'm, going to, and, and I'm going to go out and do it. And I want to tell you, I've been there to this very area a few times, and I've talked to people that are in the know about the species of fish and their patterns. Uh, and they, you know, they said during that period of the day, the deep isn't where the school of fish would go. But yet, you know, with God, all things are possible. Come on. And it's exciting to know that he's got this supernatural thing going, and we can trust him, and the blessings of God uh, bring wealth and, and without painful toil for it. And I've noticed some great breakthrough and things in my prayer life and my work and my responsibilities as a pastor. I've endeavored to pastor supernaturally. And the times I've leaned on my own understanding and the times that I've tried to get methodology implemented, it, it didn't work so well. But then when uh, I, you know, I said, okay, God, Master, uh, I've, I've done all this, but you know, uh, uh, I will do as you say. And I learned that from Mother Mary, too. That little, sweet little Mary gets approached by this angel to say, uh, I, God wants to do something pretty significant here. And she's like, uh, how can this be? And all, you know, she goes through the process like we all would. But at a point, she says, be it unto me according to your word. Say that. Be it unto me according to your word. And in fact, Simon is saying the same thing. He's saying, but I will do as you say. Say that, but I will do as you say. And there's something James said, James the Lord's brother in the first chapter, that when we're doers of the word and not just hearers who delude themselves, uh, this person will be blessed in whatever they do. There's a blessing on forgiving when God says to forgive. There's a blessing on pressing through when all hell is broken loose. There's a blessing on persevering when, and, and through faith and patience, when, when, when people hurt us and circumstances seem so harsh and, you know, we've just come through this global pandemic, we've got balloons flying over, taking pictures, we've got crazy land stuff, 
you know, uh, there's so much conflict. Uh, society as a whole, I think universally, I think it's agree, uh, agreeable that there's been agitation, heightened agitation. Well, the Bible to- told us there'd be wars and rumors of wars and so forth. What we're to do, instead of wringing our hands and freaking out, or to take sides and pick little lesser battles, is to lift up our eyes because our redemption draws nigh. And this attitude by the Gennesaret, uh, the attitude of Mary when she said, be it unto me according to your word, is the way to go. Now, I got a great letter from a, a businessman in the church, and uh, he said, I wanted to share a testimony of breakthrough with you that came to us in, in the last few weeks of December. I'm a scientist, and I'll make it anonymous at a certain company. Our company went through a long acquisition process, which has just ended a few weeks ago. This meant uncertainty for all of us as to whether we could keep our jobs for, uh, or, or not. And, and I have been informed uh, just a few days before Christmas that my contract has been renewed, exclamation point. Uh, so here he's going through, there's this acquisition. It's like, am I going to be, am I going to stay in my, my job? And on top of that, he said, I have been placed at a higher level which means higher bonus bracket for me, glory to God. That's good, huh? Then he said, I've received another work-related miracle also at the the end of of this last year. Due to several technical disagreements, my relationship with a colleague of mine uh, has been strained for a period of about two years. And he said that this particular colleague is of high influence and is a leader in the company, which uh, further complicated the situation in a number of ways. Said, while I I meant, now listen to this, this is like fishing all night and and pulling up an empty net. While, While I meant to fix this relationship, my attempts did not seem to help. When I meant to fix this relationship, my attempts did not seem to help. We, we toiled all night, and we caught nothing. But master, at your word, we'll do as you say. He said, so like when he, his natural ideas ran out of gas, he said this last December, due to a mysterious change of heart, my colleague decided to nominate me for a prestigious internal innovation award, which comes with a relatively expensive gift. This was a huge and unexpected move from... Uh, that former attitude, which is nothing short of a miraculous breakthrough. See, the, the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. It's, not, it's like I've noticed it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I've noticed some of the great breakthroughs in my marriage, in my child rearing, a, a, as a pastor of a church, it, just through my human life, I've noticed this blessing that God has presented through Jesus Christ and how uh, these blessings will come upon us and overtake us. And it really is for a lifetime. And that really he's committed to us for the long haul. And, and, uh, but yet there are blessing blockers. That's why we got to get out of strife. That's why God urges us when we stand praying to forgive, right? And, and, and stay repentant and not let unconfessed sin accumulate in our lives. Lay aside weights and encumbrance, which weights and things that so easily beset us. Uh, that aren't necessarily sins or sinful, but they're just things that hinder, right? In order to, to eliminate the blessing blockers so that we can see uh, a good outcome. And this guy had one. And so it says, uh, uh, it says, 
I feel that the breakthrough, both of these breakthroughs, um, uh, yeah, oh, he also said that he, it was a huge unexpected move from that former attitude. That nomination um, was accepted by reviewers and uh, reviewed the notification and the gift. He, he, th he thanked the person, uh, and she, this person responded very warmly, which further confirmed the, the miracle, the change of heart. Though the, the nets were empty by his own attempts, as he just walked the love walk and forgave and, and asked God for mercy and did his work heartily unto the Lord, he ends up, she nominates him for an innovation award. Right? See, the Bible says when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. So when I'm feeling stuck and I'm feeling like my nets are empty, I do a checkup from the neck up. And I, because I, I, it's not about blaming everything else and my circumstances or people. It's like, where do I need to repent? Where do I need to humble myself? Where do I need to grow and, and, and de develop my faith? And, you know, that, and those are, the, I think, the right tracks to take. But in the case of Peter, Simon Peter, he, in verse 5, called him master. And I think that preeminently entering in and honoring God, like the centurion, he honored Jesus. He said, I'm not even worthy to go to your house. That was a statement of honor. There's so much depletion of honor-based behavior in today's world. Even this guy, the way he words this, he's not disparaging the colleague, and he's not even saying, the person didn't understand me. It was like, we, we had a clash you know it's and he's actually mature enough to take ownership on his side of it to where he's trying he meant to fix that relationship but his attempts were misunderstood or didn't seem to help but yet see God can come in and his blessings can come in anyway and do miraculous things always because he only does wondrous things and he's faithful to a thousand generations right and so here we are in this moment poised for the miraculous. And we see this on the edge of the shore of Gennesaret where all night these fishermen have tried to fish, empty nets, and then they, uh, they did what he said and they lowered their nets. And when they had done this, verse 6, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. Everybody say abundance. See, Philippians 4, 19, last week, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It was what Paul told the giving, caring, generous Philippians. That was the precedence. The precedence here for the, 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 one, the brother in our ranks, one of, the, one of you, one of our members, is, man, my company got an acquisition and I wondered if I was going to keep my job. But he got to keep his job. He got his contract renewed. And with it, a, an increase. So that's a blessing. And we can trust God for that. And you could say, I've been fishing all night and I didn't catch a thing. So let's just keep going back to Jesus and listening to him. These guys were all at the shoreline listening to good teaching. This guy even said, I feel that both breakthroughs were directly connected to your faithful teaching on breakthrough, which I truly appreciate. And we wanted to thank you for following the promptings of the Spirit and sharing fresh word with us every single service. So now I gotta get back to it so I could do that. But here's what he says. He says, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break, hallelujah. 
That's a high-class problem. And they, they th- signal to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled uh, both of the boats so that they began to sink. They, they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But Simon Peter, here's what he did. Instead of going, awesome, I figured out a success principle. I am one of God's favorites. I want everybody to know, here is my book and tape sales, and I'm going to tell you how I figured this all out and how I'm doing all this great stuff for God. No, he didn't do that. He saw this. He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You know, that's, I think, when you and I, we experience real genuine breakthrough, it's humbling rather than ego inflating because we know where our help came from, right? And this guy's testimony was, man, I tried it in my own efforts to fix this thing, but when, when I just put trust in God, I stood on his promises for breakthrough. He's the master of breakthrough, right? He only does wondrous things, right? I am believing God for breakthrough, hallelujah, I'm believing God for advancement. I'm believing God for nets filled with fish. And I think about these literal fish that helped the economy of the fishermen, the, the bellies of the people that would buy the fish and be fed the protein, and the enrichment that came out of this, the enrichment that came out of this testimony from this brother, uh, the, the potential as it pertains to whatever your situation may be. You can say, Lord, you, your, your blessings come upon me and they overtake me. You daily load me with benefits. It's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. And I, you know, listen, I'm not trying to reduce the gospel into a gimme, gimme gimmick of what can I get from you, God? My highest form of of prosperity is that I actually have been introduced to God that I was alienated and separated from. And that because of what Jesus did in his, in his lordship coming into my life, I, my, I'm prospering and I'm in health as my soul prospers. My, mind, my spirit has been saved and I'm renewed. That is prosperity, number one. My mind is being renewed. That's another layer of it. And then my body's healed. And also I, my expectation is that whatever I do will prosper. Whatever I put my hand to will prosper. I want to make sure it's not just flippantly just trying a bunch of stuff for God and good works and, and uh, you know, all that kind of thing. But I'm trusting God, what would you have me do? And Simon goes, yeah, you could use my boat. Yeah, I'll push it out. You, yeah, I'll do what you say. And then, Lord, we, we fished all night, but I'll do what you say. And they took the clean nets and they put them back out in the water. They went out there and got so many <laughs> fish under the surface. You know, there's stuff going on under the surface. There was stuff in that guy's case under the surface where he, he reached the end of his human methodology and his toil, and he just, okay, God, I'm going to trust you on this. Say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you on this. And I'm telling you, the Lord is so good. And even though they toiled all night and they caught nothing, and the human effort created dejection, the, the obedience of faith, when, when Simon said, but I, but I will do as you say. I will do as you say. A compliance, an obedience. Um, like, for, like the first chapter of Isaiah, verse 19, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you disobey, you'll be devoured by the sword. If you consent or you're willing and obedient, but if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. So we see the contrast of the blessing 
and the, the curse in Deuteronomy 28, and it was performance-based. It was like you got to comply with every aspect of the law, which is frustrating because if you break one, you've broken them all, and then you're back to you know zero, and that's the case of all uh, of humanity. And the law is a tutor that leads us to the conclusion that we need a rescuer named Jesus Christ, who's a redeemer, who comes in to destroy the work of the devil, to seek and save that which is lost, to become a curse for us in order that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. Come on, man. You guys happy about this? This is the gospel in its essence. And I'm unashamed or unapologetic about the applications of it. He'll save you from sin and from hell and make you brand new inside. He'll, he'll, he'll come in and fix a hurting marriage. He'll come in and he'll reach a wayward children. He'll come in and he'll do a miracle on a society. But we're the people that God's called upon to believe for the welfare of wherever we live and stand as the light of the world and the salt of the earth and use our shields of faith to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil and push back evil in the land. We're to be a house of prayer for the nations, right? Well, it's got to start with the heart and that what happened to the man and the, the scientist and the business that got you know, uh, acquisition and a takeover and all that stuff, and he was able to weather it and come through it. That's a notable uh, series of testimonies of God's faithfulness and goodness, right? And that God is your God. And your circumstances may be total. You may not be a scientist in a company that just got acquired by another company, uh, but you might be someone who has just experienced a certain set of disappointments or dejections. Man, my net's been empty for a long time, Pastor Jeff. And I'm saying to you that the blessing of God makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. It doesn't, it doesn't necessitate a bunch of our human uh, uh, toil. And, and so what it is, our work is to believe in him who's, who, he, whom he sent. That's our job. That's really the work right now is working through doubt and unbelief, working through cynicism. That's why I like Simon saying, man, we fished all night, but master, whatever you say, I'm going to do it, you know? And he did it, and then he's like, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And, and then they felt, they all felt uh, amazement. It had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. My wife was a school teacher, and... Um, we were at a meeting at Machinist Hall, and a guy from California uh, prophesied over her, God is going to call you to do something at work. Don't be afraid of losing your job. He didn't know she was a school teacher. He didn't know uh, anything about her. It was a very interesting word. And um, she was fervent for God, and it showed. And a student asked her, what, why are you joyous? Why, what, what is it about... She said, well, I'll just tell you, because you asked, because you can't preach on the job as a school teacher in a public school, but when a student asks you something, a part of the education process is, well, you want to know personally, well, here, I'm a Christian, and Jesus changed my life. The, he, the, this kid assembled about 37 kids, and they all wanted to be saved, and they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they were all running through the hall saying, I'm saved, I'm saved. And it got Patsy concerned, but for the, for the prior warning of the prophecy, it said, just be, don't worry about losing your job. And it was intense then. It's more intense now, you know. But yet, God did protect her. She didn't lose her job over it. She didn't violate anything. She wasn't using her job in a public school to preach. 
she was in a moment where as a teacher, and it was actually between classes, this student asked, what makes you tick? What, are you supposed to not tell them? Are you supposed to ignore it? There's so many people espousing so many different agendas. Why can't we share, well, hey, this is what changed my life, right? She did it, and the kids got saved. And then, in fact, for days after and weeks after, they kept bringing more kids. It began to spread, and uh, the net got filled. And one day it could be empty. One day the dejection, you just like clean your nets and put them in the box and let's just, and you can mope through life. But the Lord Jesus does not want us to mope through life. He wants us to trust him. And I pray this message brings a bit of vibrancy to your expectations, that you're willing to say, Lord, uh, a lot of my stuff hasn't worked. Uh, the, the world is full of toil and it's, you know, there's the, all of creation groans, it says in Romans chapter 8. That's because when they fell, the ground was cursed because of them. And thorns came up. But yet, remember in redemption, the crown they put on Jesus' head was a crown of thorns, meaning he took the curse. And literally, they, those guys didn't even know how prophetic they were when they took a, a, a thorn bush and made a crown and mockingly shoved it on the beautiful head of Jesus. And blood ran down his face from being pierced with those thorns. But what it really was... In fact, that's where a lot of the curse bombards us is in our, in our right up here, right? And so Jesus, who never sinned, became a curse for us in order that the blessing of God would come in, dislodge the power of sin, bring in righteousness as a gift, bring in favor as a shield, bring in connection instead of alienation and separation, the biggest pinnacle aspect that defines our prosperity is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. David said uh, in Psalm 27, I need you to be my warrior and my defense and my shield and uh, you're my light, and my salvation, whom shall I fear? But then he says, you know, the one thing I've desired that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And, and, and I believe we're going to experience restoration in our affection for God sensitivity to the spirit, consistency in the love walk. This guy actually was walking the love walk trying to make amends in that relationship, and it was awkward, and it just seemed to elude him. Um, but yet God caused a breakthrough, a breakthrough in his role, a breakthrough in his finances, and a breakthrough with favor. I believe that we can continually believe God for breakthrough and for favor. I'm interested in this story out of Luke chapter 5, where I see that they went from emptiness to so much abundance that they had to have help to carry it. And these blessings will come upon you and overtake you appeals to me. And I see that that is the nature of our God. The Bible says in, in, in Psalm 84, 11, that the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now then again, in the Old Testament, that was righteous observance, compliance to the law, and it was rigid. Now in the New Testament, we're walking by faith and not by sight. We're walking with him, right? And our uprightness is actually a gift from him, right? So that's hallelujah. All the testimony goes, all the praise goes to him. It's not like, let me tell you how I figured out how to do all this stuff. It's not success principles and who you know and doing a hustle. It's, God, I figured out 
What you said to do, I'll do. And that's what I, wanted, I want your takeaway to be. Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. I will do, he says, upon your word, literal Greek, but upon your word. Because, see, and this is, this is what we can trust God for. The guy could, in the acquisition of his company, it's like, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust your will on this. I'm trusting you to help me out on this. When people betray you, when people backstab you or murmur against you, you got to do your level best. I will not get in resentment. I will not uh, do eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm going to bless those who curse me. I'm going to pray for those who despitefully use me. In fact, you, you develop in maturity on this. You start, when you think about uh, temptation to become bitter toward people, you start praying for them that God will move on it and it, it, it's like letting down your nets and you, you know you're going to come up with a, you're going you're gonna to get a breakthrough. Can I hear a hallelujah? So I think I'm running out. I think I'm about done here. But, but I, I just, I, I just want to encourage you. I, I'm going to close with the end of Psalm 144. Psalm 144 was presented at our staff meeting. John Barbeau quoted this verse about... Uh, uh, Garn, a garner and garnering and uh, filling up our, our, our silos with blessing. And it was, it was great that he shared this. And it says in verse 12 through 15, it says the, the psalmist is talking about the rescue and prosperity. And he, blessed be my, the Lord, my rock, and who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Uh, his loving kindness is our fortress, our, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under us. He says, let our sons in their youth be as grown-up plants. Let their, our sons in their youth be as grown-up plants and our daughters as corner pillars fashioned as for a palace. I've always prayed my wife would be a fruitful vine and my children would be olive plants around my table and that our sons and daughters would be uh, for signs and wonders and we'd see Great things take place through and transpire through uh, all the people around us. Let our garners be full, furnishing every kind of produce. Let our garners be full, furnishing every kind of produce. In, Proverbs, in Deuteronomy 28, he says he'll bless our basket and our kneading bowl. Our garners, that, that, those are our granaries. Those are our, that's where we gather and collect. That's like for a local church, that would be the flock. In fact, our flocks bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. So we just got to figure out what our fields are so we can cooperate with God. In the case of Simon, it was that net. In the case of Daniel, it was thriving in Babylon. In the case of Paul, it was preaching to the Gentile world and going to Caesar's household. We just have to figure out what God's called us to do. We don't copy other people. We stay with the original thing God's called us to. Let our cattle bear without mishap and without loss. Let there be no outcry in our streets. How blessed are the people who are, are so situated. How blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. How, say, how blessed. See, these blessings will come upon you and they'll overtake you. And I, he'll bless your basket and your kneading bowl. We can trust God for this. Kingston's been doing a little review on Family Tree. I've never been interested in it, but he's found 
that there were some that moved during the Dust Bowl to Salinas, California, and that uh, my biological father told me that John Steinbeck actually stayed at their farm, which now they have a street named after that. And and, if you just look at history and you think about how faithful God was in previous generations, I think about this land where a man named Marlon Bates, who was one of the liberators in World War II and his unit when he went into the concentration camps and freed the the Jews. And and he told me that in the 1930s as a child, that he was with the farm family that owned these fields in this floodplain. And he, he remembered them kneeling down and dedicating the land to the glory of God. There's something to that. There's something to the track we're on. And so here we are in this moment, right? And I could hear the sounds that it's the end of the service. And, uh, and so Jesus actually even finished preaching in, in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 5. It said, it said when he finished speaking, so it, I'm going to follow Jesus right now, and I'm going to finish speaking. That's going to be a miracle. Let's all stand up on our feet. Whatever your net is in your respective zone and wherever you feel like you tried and tried and it's been frustrating, listen, let's find out what the Lord is saying and let's trust Him, right? Let's not be discouraged. Let's be undaunted. Let's not be manipulated by other people. Let's not be tossed to and fro by winds of doctrine or by the loudest voices telling you where the anointing is or isn't and all that stuff. And let's keep on the scriptures. Let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's give this time. It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. So I want to pray for you. Lay hands on yourself and, and pray. I pray the breakthrough blessing of God on each one of these folks. Father, I'm asking you for a supernatural refreshing, a touch of the Holy Spirit, guidance in our lives. I pray, God, people that have been avoiding church would find their way back to church. I pray people that are lost would find their way to Jesus. I pray for a harvest amongst the lost and a revival in the church. God, help us search our hearts cleanse us, renew us, strengthen us, we pray. We forgive, we bear no ill will, we lay aside all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, malice, abusive speech, and so forth. And God, we endeavor to trust you. And like Simon, I will do as you say. Say this with me. Be it unto me according to your word. And God, I pray for breakthrough in every person's life. May you make your face shine on people. May there be amazing adjustments in this house. May there be joy. May there be peace. May there be an amazing blessing coming on everybody's hearts. I pray you protect them in their cars as they walk, as they drive. I come against choking hazards. I come against slipping. I come against black ice stuff. I I pray protection all round about work related i pray people would be protected they wear their safety harness where they need to earplugs where they need to eye protection where they need to um all all safety all that stuff i I pray for your protective on people that use ladders people that uh, drive uh, vehicles uh open four-wheel vehicles uh i pray people that that back up with their uh, trucks and things and have obscure view that they don't run into people or things I pray protection upon them in the name of Jesus. And God, I trust you, the angels of the Lord, because they encamp around those who reverence you and and that they're ministering spirits sent to those who are heirs of salvation. And they hearken unto the voice of your word. 
God, I speak your word of protection and favor and strength over everybody here in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said...